You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gillieri. Paul, we're here. It's the middle of January, and you know what that means. Everyone gets a cold. You get a cold. You get a cold. <laughs> Everybody gets a cold. Oh, thank you, viral Oprah. Um, <laughs> viral yeah, Oprah. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, we're. It's amazing how we're recording, and we both are afflicted with basically a head cold, like yeah. we have the exact same symptoms. Yeah, Nuts. it's wild. It's what I mean. What's funny is I was at work um, last week, beginning beginning of last week, <clears throat> and someone was saying like everybody they knew had either a cold, the flu, um, COVID, or something else. And like, yep. nobody was not sick. And I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm not sick. I'm fine. And then my kid gets some sort of throat infection thing with yep. like the white spots. It's not strep, by the way, which is the weirdest thing. It wasn't anything. Um, but he had that for a few days. And I was like, okay, I avoided that. And then the weekend rolled around, Paul. The weekend reared its head. And all of a sudden, my throat got a little sore. And then my yep. head got congested. I, how exactly did you get where I'm at. Yep. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Really? Well, I, I was like dodging trains. <laughs> basically d- d- dodging the viral train yeah. for uh for months i mean i felt yeah. like i was surrounded by it both at home and at work since october and at somehow, home and abroad exactly i, I yeah. emerged unscathed but uh no more my good no more good man. yeah no more. well i don't know how you guys are, are faring out there wherever you are uh i know in some parts of america it is frigid cold i think and, that may have uh, a lot to do with it Actually, <laughs> look, I'm not. We're not dealing with frigid cold. We live in Southern no. California, but it, it, it's chilly over here for us. Yeah. But it's not like it is in the Midwest or the Northeast right now, where it is crazy cold. Um, I hope you guys are nice and warm. Got some hot cocoa, a hot toddy, whatever you need to get through. Um, I've got a, a glass of water here. Paul's got some tea, and we're gonna battle through this thing for you because hell, we got a job to do. So um, before we get into this week's show. Uh, a big uh, thank you and welcome to all of our listeners, new and old. If you yep. are a patron, uh, we really, really, really thank you for um, your patronage. And anybody who uh, has bought a shirt, one of the new two designs that we have, and Paul is wearing one. Yeah, I mean, you can't see it right now, but Paul is wearing one of them. Um, the Vitalogy adjacent shirt. Uh, if you bought one of those, uh, thank you for ordering one. We really appreciate that. That also helps keep this show um, up and afloat and, and allowing us to do new things. Wink, wink, maybe. Um, yep. So if you are interested in procuring a shirt, uh, just get in those DMs and we'll hook you up. Uh, yeah. And get by the way, up with the swag. If you, if you have bought one of those shirts and you've already received it, take a photo. Put that photo on the gram or Facebook or something and tag us. Absolutely. Yeah. Who, who was it that just was wearing one of our, our oldies but goodies? Um, oh. From Brad. Uh, you just oh, shared it with Jeremy Toback. Yeah. There you go. From Brad. Yeah. He put that, that, on, cool his, that? on his story the other day. That was cool. And uh, We're I, a, sta- I, a State of Love and Trust podcast. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Martin from Candlebox posted about his shirt back in December. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So yeah, if you're interested in getting one of those new shirts, um, one is like, like I said, what Paul's wearing right now. It's a Vitalogy looking shirt, and then we've got one that represents kind of the vibe of the 2000 bootlegs. Um, oh, I love that one, man. Yeah. Which is really fun. And then of course we still have our little Tivoli snake version uh-huh. in the uh, army green. So if that interests you at all, go ahead, DM us. We'll get you hooked up. Otherwise, let's. Uh, oh, one more thing, Paul. What? How can I forget? Obviously, while, while, while we are feeding our senses with mm. uh, immunity boosters, you, <laughs> our good listeners, need to be feeding that algorithm by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your preferred podcast platform of choice. It took every bit of breath I had to get through that tonight. <laughs> Without coughing. And, and Without I will cough. say, Paul, the segues are back. You had one off week, and you're back with the segues. Oh, that was a brutal off week. That was like- That was rough. 
uh, yeah, I, I hit a speed bump and I just careened off the road and it was just this spectacular Thelma and Louise <laughs> moment where I was just cast, just cascading off the edge of a cliff down to this fiery inferno. That was terrible. You know what it's like? It's like, it's like the first day of pitchers and catchers week in February. And oh, you know, it was like a scud in the dirt. That's and just, that and like, you know, it's like when Bartolo Colon just walked back into camp <laughs> and he's 30 pounds overweight because he's been just crushing yeah. chimichangas yeah. and burritos and fucking burgers and hot dogs and pizza and you walk no get it off bartolo shake yeah. off the pounds bro but you're back i'm trying to be i'm trying to be well our listeners deserve nothing less our listeners are back and uh, we've been blabbering on long enough about our own problems let's get into the heat of the meat here um there's a couple of little newsy bits i want to get to before we get into our main topic today our main segment is all about songs that we think could fit really well on another album that they aren't a part of. And I will say at the outset, I did not think I'd have as many songs on my short list as I do. Well, we narrowed it down to three, correct? The list is three, but I'm saying yeah. in the, in scanning through the catalog, I was surprised at how many I thought might actually fit. Um, yeah. Well that, you know, what was the, the kicker for me was resisting the temptation to like, just, pluck things off of lost dogs like oh sad. oh yes yeah obviously i have, I, I have a, I have a preamble over. about that but yes yeah exactly which i uh, it, we'll explain we'll get, we there. get there uh and then after that we are gonna reach back into the vault of segments and uh do a little do the evolution on on a song from uh the fourth studio album so we'll get there and then uh live cut lyric of the week back again so before we do all that there was a couple of things that dropped at the end of last week that were oh mama one of those things paul was our friend luca over at pearljamonline.it i'm sure many of you guys know luca's website's been around for over a decade uh, and it drops great information great interviews great content we've, we've used his sessions um page for demos and and all the songs that and all the ideas that were used and created during uh album sessions he dropped this little nugget which was that there are two two new pearl jam songs coming and and very imminently possibly as soon as this week and then if not next week and we have two yep. song titles as well paul wrecker and dark matter what obviously when you hear a song title it's going to take your mind one place and oftentimes it isn't that kind of thing i can think as far back as avocado as some song titles not actually being what they sounded like what what does that make you think about though well i'm of two minds first and foremost i hearken back to the last time we were in this position mm -hmm. and dance of the clairvoyance dropped and on one hand it was such a polarizing experience for a lot of fans uh, for for you and for me especially because yeah. when i heard that i was exceedingly excited thrilled with the prospects of, of Pearl Jam really expanding the uh, depth and breadth of their, uh, their, their experimental musical composition writing. Uh, whereas you were terrified. <laughs> <laughs> After I heard it. Yes. Yeah. Briefly. And so on one hand, there's value in that, right? Um, you kind of get a little bit of an appetizer, so to speak, you know, what the appetite for what is to come. On the other hand, there are many albums that, for me, I didn't hear the singles on the radio because I was never a radio guy. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. uh, there was a period of my life where I occasionally was listening to the radio, but for the most part, I was popping a cassette or a CD in in my truck or car, and, and that was you know the soundtrack of my life. But it allowed me to go to you know Virgin Records or Tower Records or wherever the hell I was buying a Pearl Jam CD at the time, and take off that cellophane and pop it in and just experience it from front to back mm -hmm. with the lyrics in solace, just taking it all in, you know, soaking it up like a sponge. And there's something about listening to these singles that I, I feel like it's, it's like when you watch a movie trailer and you, by the end of you're like, well, I, I just saw the whole damn movie already. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, now I'm not even incentivized. Obviously that that's a, that's high, I'm being hyperbolic, but to some extent there's a part of me that wants to resist listening to these singles in anticipation of the album so I can have that experience again because it's been a while. Um, you know, Riot Act, I heard Love Boat Captain. Um, 
you know, obviously Gigaton, we talked about that. I heard worldwide suicide for, for avocado and so on and so on. It's been so long since I've had that experience. And there's a part of me that is wondering if I should take the challenge of, uh, of, of actually doing that. Now, obviously it would make this, this podcast a little bit more challenging because <laughs> we would have less to talk about, right? All of our listeners and you would be buzzing about this, this song release. And I'd be the idiot in the dark for at least another two or three weeks, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my fingers in my ears, but <clears throat> I don't know. I'll have to give it some thought. Well, he, here's what I think. Number one, uh, when you when you hear a song or not hear when you see a song title called Wrecker, and people and, and people like Luca have been describing it as a straight ahead rocker, okay, Wrecker, that that okay that, that feels kind of aggro and upbeat. Okay, Dark Matter is supposed to be a ballad of sorts. Acoustic, I, I believe, is what. Oh, did you read acoustic? I I, read, I, I, read I did see that, but either way, so. Apparently they're coming out simultaneously, like kind of like a side A and side B kind of thing, which is kind of cool. Haven't had which one of those I hope one of them is an actual B side, like that does Ooh, not show up on the album. Can How you cool imagine? That? Haven't had one of those when, in a long when, time. When, when does that happen? It's been forever. That's I, I, true. I, I had thought about I would that. Go back to like, gosh, I want to say, was it Yield, where we had uh, Leatherman? I'm, I'm trying to think back to the last time. Uh, no, I think B side was. I think Riot Act. We had we had um, what was it Down. Right, oh, that, thank was, you. that yeah. was a, yeah. a I am mine single, I believe. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, since then, not, not really uh, an actual B side on a single. Now, assuming they come out in the next ten days or so, is it going to be the kind of thing where it's it's a representation of the album kind of single, or it's or it's not because I think in some ways dance of the clairvoyance was not a representation of the album. It was the no. most outlying song. It was an outlier for sure. Um, well, I was it though. I mean, you listen to it's all right. You listen to buckle up. I feel there, like there were some electronic, you know, ideas across many of the songs, but that one took it to, I mean, we couldn't tell if the drums were Matt Cameron or not until we read that, it, that they were true. But I think for me, that song was less about, Hey, this is going to be a Talking Heads album, and it was more about Pearl Jam saying we're going to get outside of our comfort zone and we're going to do well, things a little differently. You, you and, and probably I, thought that, but I, I, yeah, I did. I'm a knee-jerk reactionary weirdo and got all freaked out about it, <laughs> as some people might, might also have done. So I, I, I'm I'm excited because it's new music. Um, I don't know. I I'm gonna have to temper myself and be like, okay, the album won't be like this. The album, right. this is part of the album. Um, so I'm just, I'm excited because I'm hearing rocker and I'm hearing ballad, two things that I like. And if, Hey, it's a bonus where dark matter, if assuming that's the B side is an actual B side and not also on the album, extra, extra bonus for me, I think, or in all, all of us. Well, there's a volume and a crispness to earthling. And I'm, I'm most interested in hearing the sound and production quality Ooh, yes. of these songs, yes. because it's going to give us an indication of what what the producing process is going to be, and, yeah. and you'll get a, a general sense of the sound of the album, not necessarily the thematic approach or or even um, you know what the, the the lyrics are trying to to touch upon across the album as a whole composition, but more so just. What is this thing going to sound like? What does an Andrew Watt album with Pearl Jam sound like? Yeah. And that's something we've been kind of talking about for the last year and a half as little nuggets have dropped about, about the guys working with him. And, and since Earthling came out, as you said, it's a, just a, it's a different style. It's a different feeling rock production. And I would just say for anybody who is a little unsure I'll go back and listen to Earthling, but also go back and listen to the new Rolling Stones. Go back and listen to the last two Aussie records. You know, the, the, yes, they are slicker, they are crisper. Yes, they are smashed with a lot of compression, but that's his style. And I don't think the the uh, Rolling Stones record sounded bad, and I don't think Earthling sounded bad. It's just what are you into? And if you really want a raw sound, you're probably not going to get it. Um, but it will give us an idea of how the rest of the record will sound sonically. So we can kind of check yeah. that box, you know. The other thing that kind of popped up, uh, I think it was late on Saturday evening, was um, there was a digital flyer going around. 
And we posted about it as well, as did many other uh, outlets. And I believe the the first person to put this online was Anthony Krisowitz over at Touring Fan Live. And I spoke to him about it. And he said that he got it emailed to him from a few different people independently who are close to the band or the record label or whatever it is. Uh, and that it's a thing. And so the first thing I thought of, Paul, was, hey, this timeline feels so eerily similar to, to 2020 with Gigaton. <laughs> hey, we're going to get a single in, in mid to late January. Hey, there's a listening party in Los Angeles that's invitation only. We're probably we're going to have a tour that starts in May. Like it feels like it's all yeah. kind of in the same ballpark. So, at firstly, I was hoping, okay, will we get like will, will there be some sort of like minimal ten club lottery thing? That I I had to walk myself back and say, okay, probably not. It's probably just industry insiders, friends of the band, kind of thing. But right. maybe maybe there's invitations. Maybe there's so that that was my first reaction. And once I realized that, okay, I'm probably not going to be able to listen to this thing at the listening party, what I did think about was, that means we're really close. That means we're really, really, really close if they're doing a listening party. We're not having the, will it come out this year conversation anymore, right? Yeah. Because it was about two months between the listening party and the drop of the album for Gigaton. Right. Uh, I mean, it's safe to say this, this sucker's coming out. Late winter, early spring, for sure. I mean, it's not going to be June. We're looking around saying, "Where the hell is it?" I mean, it, it's coming. And they're, and they're not they're not touring with the thing that's already out. I think I don't think that's where they're at anymore. And I don't think no. I don't think you really can do that as an act in twenty twenty four. You know? No, I completely agree with you. So I'm excited. Yeah, so, uh, listening party. I mean, it's news, but I think it's more news as an indicator as opposed exactly. to. Listen, if somehow we were able to get in there, that's a whole other ball of wax. Sure. Because then, I mean, then, then it's like bring your paper and pad, your paper and pen and jot down as quick as many notes as you can kind of thing and relay it back to everybody. But um, I think, yeah, as an indicator of like we are imminent of, of information is, is really the thing I was excited about. Agreed. All right, so let's get to it then. Let's get to our our songs that we think could make sense on another record. We've chosen to do three. Um, do you have any opening thoughts here on the process? Just that my initial temptation was to to grab the low hanging fruit to to take songs like "Sad," for example, and mm. say, "Oh, well, I mean, that belongs on on Gigaton," or I'm sorry, on uh, on uh, Binaural. But the reality is. <clears throat> those songs didn't find themselves on a, on a soundtrack. You know, they didn't find themselves on a standalone album. We didn't hear those songs until lost dogs and lost dogs as a compilation was basically, here's what was left on the cutting room floor Mm. that we decided we wanted to share with you guys. So I tried to eschew songs off lost dogs. I tried to, to, to move away from the songs that were part of recording sessions that just didn't make it onto an, onto an album per se, unless that that same song was featured on a soundtrack, you know, a song like uh, "Better Days" or, um, you know, uh, "Hard to Imagine." Hard to Imagine be another example. Um, was a Catholic boy could be <laughs> another example. Not not obviously one that uh, I'm, I'm choosing to go with here, but so that I felt like opened up an extra window of eligibility. Okay, um, but but for the most part. I don't think I had as big of a short list as you did. And I say that because most of the songs seemed to fit thematically with the compositions as, as albums that they, they accompanied. Um, there were some songs though, that when I heard them the first time, I remember thinking, gosh, this sounds like it, it could be on this album. Or, yeah. This is really reminiscent of that album. Mm-hmm. And so those are indications to me of songs that would fit this exercise. So yeah. those are the ones I think that, uh, and it was a short list. I had like five. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, then we have a, a slightly different approach to this, which I think is fascinating. Um, although the first thing, the most obvious thing, um, sort of where I agree with you is that it seemed way too easy to like be putting B-sides or lost dogs 
on the album whose sessions they were a part of. So for to right. your example, putting Sad on by Neural, it's like we already did that. We did that in the retracking. Like that's that's right. that was a part of that anyways. It doesn't really matter. Now if, if you I wouldn't besmirch you for saying, okay, well I want to put you on Lightning Bolt. Because you is from not from the Lightning Bolt sessions. It's from the uh, from the Yield sessions. So and that's fair. That that I think is fair game. Um now I I think that as I scanned as I scanned the catalog, I intentionally didn't spend too long on a song. Um an obvious option didn't if it I guess to say if an obvious option didn't occur to me within like 10 to 15 seconds of thinking about the mood, the music, the theme of the song, I just moved on. And by doing that, I still have like there's probably over 30 songs here. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I know. Okay. That's now, fascinating. When I, when I say that, that means something struck me like, Oh, that, that could fit over here. And so I didn't think about it anymore. And I, and I wrote it down and okay. then I went back through that list and said to myself, okay, let's really make sure that this actually fits based off of my initial reaction. And then the list got much smaller, but, um, but, I'm looking at this list and it's like the entire height of my computer. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I could see that approach. Well, obviously we had to boil it down. So we did boil it down. And um, I am really fascinated to see what we've got here. Uh, and if we disagree fervently or agree, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm you guys out there listening right now, I hope you're like writing your own choices down because this i think is such a strange journey we're about to go on together um paul you want to lead us off with your third choice yeah i'm gonna do that uh, we're gonna start with gigaton and we're gonna wrap our grubby little hands around take the long way and we're gonna slide it into right axe dms because i really feel like that oh. song would fit beautifully on that record uh it's a matt cameron song it's very reminiscent of uh the kinds of lyrics. I mean, just in terms of like coupling, pairing, mm. it seems to match in a lot of ways songs like Get Right, um, songs like Help Help, You Are especially. Uh, and I feel like Right Act, it, it just has a Matt Cameron vibe to it, yeah. that entire record. You know, the the off meter, you know, the, the, the different meters, the, um, the different tempos, um, things a little bit in different keys. I mean, th there's something unique about that album. It's the most art rock record, I guess you could say, sure. in, in the Pearl Jam catalog, arguably. Uh, so some might say, well, you know, look at songs like Dance of the Clairvoyance and Buckle Up and you know, songs like that. How can you really still say that that's the Pearl Jam art rock record? And I think mostly because Right Act does not feature a single composition that seems like it was designed to be accessible for your average listener. I'd say save you. I'd say save yeah, you. Well, and even yeah. that's a bit of a stretch in, in some regards. I mean, there's some power chords there, but still. So, I would argue that uh, a song like Take the Long Way with its meter, with its tempo, um, and its timing, it seems to me like it would be a good fit, both lyrically and sonically, on a record like Riot Act. Yeah, I like that. I like, that's a good choice. Um, actually, it wasn't even one, one of the ones I had written down. Um, but I like it a lot. I like it a lot. All right, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go to the album Yield. And to it, I will add the song Life Wasted. Oh, fascinating. It feels... Like after No Code, the band found a new sense of vitality, you know, a rebirth in a sense. And there was more optimism within the group and, and collaboration among its members, sort of like they were kind of leaving a dark chapter behind. And they did so together. Now, many in the media have claimed that Avocado was, as we've spoken before many times, a return to form, quote unquote. So I, I ask them, okay, which form? The band, the band had various styles of music and lyrical themes over its first 15 years. So, like, what were they referring to exactly? Uh, and if, if we're talking strictly about the music, the straight-ahead rock sound of this song could sit nicely alongside anything from Vitalogy through Heal, I think. 
And that's where I've slotted it, on Yield. And I think there's an upbeat nature to the main riff. Uh, there's an elevation to its soul, I think, that reminds me of Given to Fly and In Hiding. And, you know, the life wasted, so to speak, is the reclusiveness uh, Ed found himself in as fame kind of towered over him. Obviously, I'm not in Ed's head, so I don't know if he completely found himself out of the hole he put himself in uh, at that time around Yield. Uh, I keep thinking about this song in hiding as I write this because it's kind of like still being in the hole. But uh, as I said, the band was certainly in a better place, and I could see Life Wasted being a part of their journey, kind of getting out of the darkness. So I think it, I think could have worked on that record. Okay, I like it. Good choice. I can see that. Um... When I listen to that guitar riff, I almost want to slaughter right at the pilot. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it, it fit, fit, fit well there. Um, okay. So this one to me almost felt like cheating. But I'm going to put Hard to Imagine on Vitology. And, and I'm going to close the record with that. Was and, that part of uh, your retracking? It was, but... Okay. Hard to Imagine was not left as a B-side. It was not resigned to the cutting room floor or stuck on Lost Dogs, for lack of a better place to put it. It did show up on the 1998 Chicago Cab film soundtrack. And uh, I want to say that it was first recorded during the Versus sessions. Mm -hmm. And then I think it, it was recorded again during Vitology. So it's, it is a song that I wanted to put on as a retracking. But You got by me, a technicality, Paul. By a technicality. <laughs> uh, I got by on a technicality with this one. But I say that mostly because when you when you listen to its qualities as a song, it really does occupy that space between Better Man and Nothing Man so beautifully well. Um, I think that it's a perfect ending. It's a wonderful closer to a record. When you when you think about the way that song ends paint a picture of 40 shades of gray light your pillow lay back watch the flames i'll tell you a story but no one would listen that long it's almost ironic because there's a lot of songs on vitology that uh people won't listen to <laughs> yeah. you know there's a lot of stuff that was called filler at the time so you could if you wanted to you could slot the song right before um foxy mop foxy mop and and foxy mop could be the uh the story that people won't listen to that long. You know, it, it, it's almost like, a, <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. It's, it's almost a precursor, if yeah. you will, um, or preamble, but you know, tear into yourself, count days upon your arms, all the beatings ticking like a bomb after having seen all that they saw. Um, it's just timely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's just a, a wonderful, timely connection to that era to the, the struggle that was going on in those circles at the time with Kurt Cobain and you know, addiction and the way it was starting to to take so many of the uh, prominent figures of that time. Yeah. And I just think Hard to Imagine is a, is a song that belongs on this record. I think it was made for this record and I think that to some degree, much to my chagrin, I, I have to simply accept that it's not there. Even though I think, as it stands, Vitology is an absolutely stellar record from, from start to finish. But there's a part of me that will always just wish that, yeah. that you know, it was on there. So. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I like the choice. It's, uh, I, I wouldn't call it cheating, but it it's uh, it's almost too obvious to, to not do. Like, you have to do it. So I, I like. So it. I did. <laughs> so you did. So somebody had to do it. Um, all right, this one. Oh, maybe. I hope I ruffle some feathers with this one. This is. Oh, this is the quote unquote. This is the hashtag, uh, uh, hot take. I guess you could call it. We're gonna go to avocado. Oh boy. And the song I'm going to pluck and put on that record. Yellow lead better. Whoa. That's right. fascinating. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You've got All a guitar. Right, you gotta walk me through this. Okay, here we go. You got a guitar-centric Mike McCready epic with the lyrical theme around a disrespected veteran. Sound familiar? 
it sounds like an amalgam of a couple of songs from that record. Okay. And you've got this difficult relationship with... Army Reserve. I mean, I, I can see where we're going. Yeah, yeah. You've got a difficult relationship some Americans had with the American government during the Iraq-Afghanistan wars um, that left the military, the soldiers really, in the middle. Like, kind of two parents arguing who are on the verge of divorce and they got the kids stuck in the middle sort of thing. There was a lot of patriotism in the early 90s for the Gulf War, probably because we didn't quite have the access to the truth that we started getting as technology evolved more. But nevertheless, if you've seen the hell, it's hard not to feel unappreciated or disrespected by those back home if you're a veteran returning. So something that's captured very well on Ledbetter, as well as Worldwide Suicide in Army Reserve and Avocado. And Avocado is a complicated record smack dab in the middle of a second George Bush term, an administration that, as we many of us know, Ed and the band certainly were at odds with. So the combination of Ed's lyrics that are about, or I should say, that are able to transmit the feelings of a scorned veteran and Mike's soulful guitar playing fit quite well here 15 years later. I mean, a lot of that guitar work shows up very similarly on Comeback and parts of Inside Job and the lyrical themes and the strain of, of those of those lyrics can be heard across multiple songs in Avocado. Tell I me why I'm wrong. It. I don't think you are. I can see it. I, can I didn't see ruffle it. your feathers. No, no. I, I you know, it's I, what's fascinating to me is what if that song really had just kind of lived on the periphery all the years that it has, mm. and then suddenly just did show up finally on an album people are like oh my god it, like, really like they finally got in the studio and put, put it back on <clears throat> I think what's interesting is when you think about some of the songs that were re-recorded like songs like Brother um, songs like even, even Hard to Imagine um, Hold On another good example mm. songs that were re-recorded for Lost Dogs um, I, I don't know if they held up quite the same way to right those other ones and so I wonder what Eddie would do going into the studio saying well hold on a sec we're gonna put this on now like do do my lyrics have to be coherent for this (laughs) (laughs) can can, can I just like you know mumble my way through this yeah someone's gonna argue against me saying well he doesn't even sing anything he's just all mumbles like we know what it's about Uh, he's explaining what it's about we do and and what would be cool you know what I'm gonna reserve this because I there's a what if here like okay. what if they went, you know? Well, and so it, message me, it's, message it's, me when we're offline. You know, I'll yeah, put it in the, it's, it's in the, in the, percolating. The file. It's percolating. Okay. All right. So it's give me your last choice here, then. All right. So my last choice, I think, sonically, is a perfect fit on this album, and that is "Buckle Up" on Avocado. Buckle up on Avocado. Yeah, and you think of a song like "Parachutes." Um, you think of some of the guitar work on "Unemployable." Uh, there is a, a kind of a quirkiness at times and I like a song like Buckle Up which really talks about life and death it talks about being on the front lines but in a different capacity Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very different war and I think a song like Buckle Up would fit nicely right after Parachutes for example and that dichotomy of you know this this interesting little ballad sandwiched in between uh, a song that's that's really about the, the, the struggle to to kind of get through what seems like this senseless loss of life but it's not just happening abroad you know what I mean there, there's a, a domestic quality to this and I kind of like the, the comprehensive perspective that a song like Buckle Up would add to a record like Avocado, um, and I think sonically it, it really does pair nicely with with, with a song like uh, like Parachutes. I so. I think I might have to disagree with you. Oh, uh, he, here's why. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's so similar to Parachutes in its vibe that it that the band would have been like we already have enough of those kind of thing. The same reasons why you didn't have Brother on uh on 10, 10 kind of thing 
And then my interpretation of of the lyrics may have may have evolved since we talked about the song, honestly. Where I th- I thought that Stone was talking about as Working we get older, we have COVID. to. No, no, not COVID. But like <laughs> as as he gets older, he start. It's almost like the um almost like lightning crashes. Like you see the two endpoints of life. Like you see you see how life begins. You see how life ends because you have to take care of your elder parents. But you also then you have kids who might have their you might have your grand your grandkids for the first time. So I, I, I thought maybe that's where he was going, and I don't think that's. I, I never got of, that out of the lyrics. No, I don't. No, I mean, there's a granted. There's a, a Jeff. I mean, vagueness quality to those. Oh, he's super. Where, he's super coded, of course. Well, yeah, and so you you can you, you can kind of interpret these lyrics however way you, you want. Um, uh, it, to me, it has a hospital, you know, subject in, in Scrubs feel to it, mm. um, but. <clears throat> I, I can see why Stone. Maybe that was the inspiration for it, or, or maybe that was some of the the, the the bigger ideas that were happening. I mean, the parachutes to me sounds like a Beatles song. Mm-hmm. I don't get that vibe from uh, from Buckle Up. It doesn't sound like a Beatles song to me. Personally. No, I, I, w- I wouldn't say that it sounds like Beatles to me. I think it just has a um, like the the meter, the tempo. It's kind of not tranquil, but it's you know, parachutes is kind of like kind of like hops around delicately. And I yeah. also think that Buckle Up is kind of... I don't know why I'm doing this like a marionette. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think Buckle Up's kind of dainty as well. I think it's some more thought. I'm curious what our listeners think about that choice. Hmm. Well, listen to them back to back. Like They, they just felt very complimentary to me when, okay. I, when I first heard right. it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you enough. listen when you're just like, oh, you know what? No, these are... There's just a, a hard stop in between here that I, I just can't get past. But... Um, <clears throat> Let's see what the internet also, says. Yeah, I mean, like you know, just like lightning in my child's eyes, right? I, I think there are still some some parallels. I mean, it's not as mm. seamless as you know, uh, things were different than you know, all is different now. I tried to explain somehow. I mean, that's a perfect ending to Vitology, sure, because it it closes a major chapter on the band, and then no code comes next, and it it, it was like you know, all is different now for sure. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. was a foreshadowing of what was to yeah, come. Yeah, that was so. that was that was uh, you know, that was an obvious show. I you know I will yeah, say you're segueing me perfectly into my final pick here because let's do that. The album that I'm going going to put the song on is Vitalogy. Oh boy, the song itself is Pendulum. Huh. Think about this. Think about the opening lyrics. Can't know what's high till you've been down so low. The future's bright, lit up with nowhere to go. To and fro the pendulum throws. Isn't that the Pearl Jam story to this point? They choose to swing the pendulum the other way. But if this song came out on Vitalogy, it would be a warning of sorts. Like, if there ever was a song about the trials and tribulations of life, not just politics, it's this. It's a pendulum. We, we, it's true. There's highs and lows. Um, you know, we started seeing more musical experimentation on Vitalogy as well. So I think the keyboards would fit right in here. I, I, I could see, you know, Brendan O'Brien bringing this kind of thing in, this little vibey piano thing in, and, and jamming with Eddie and the lyrics, and and the full band and kind of coming in and joining in and, and flushing the whole thing out, kind of like how Long Road came to be. Pearl Jam was so high, they chose to go low. So it's all about balance. That's life. And that's what they were aiming to do with this album. So maybe it's a little on the nose. Maybe I'm I'm shoehorning the lyrics to fit the whole life association thing. But I think it could work. I, I think lyrically, I'm with you. Sonically, it feels like it would have to be produced differently. I, I, I feel like... Yes, it, I could see that. But... Um, I like the ambition behind it, though. Thank you. <laughs> the, the fun part of this is like you—you you know, instead of Frankensteining a mix, like a Pearl Jam mix, where you just like grab a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah. Try this sometime. Like try this exercise where you just pluck a single song and say, "I'm gonna stick Take the Long Way. I'm gonna nestle it right here on Riot Act, or I'm gonna put Pendulum right here on Vitalogy." And by the way, you guys out there, if you do do this, we're not gonna tell you where we think we you should put it. Put it wherever the hell you want to put it, and then let us yeah. know. And, and d- does it does it take you out of the record? I mean, it might, right? Because th- yeah. those records are so... And they'll sound differently. Thing. Ed will sound differently. But like, just yeah. try and 
trying to ignore that part of it <laughs> and <laughs> focusing on on the music and the lyrics and does it fit the vibe the theme themes of the record I, this is just a very curious exercise and like i said i've got more on here that like have you but i'm, I'm gonna throw one at you okay. that i didn't i didn't think about beyond just a, a second but like no way on gigaton <gasps> hmm. not gonna make a difference not gonna try no. anymore i can see that <sighs> there's something there how about um, Dead Man? Ooh, I might have had Dead Man. Huh? I might have had Dead Man on, on something. Did you really? I might have. Oh, I did. I did have it on something. What, what record you? would you put on? I'm curious. Riot Act. Oh, that's where I had it too. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. We should end there. Then we should end on, on a we high, should on a we virtual should. handshake. Um, what do you guys <laughs> think about that? Uh, are there other ones that you think of where, where do songs, obviously we, we can't move songs around. And as Paul said there, the, the production is going to really jerk you out of the, out of the playlist. But if you had to put a song on another record, because it, it fits musically and, and lyrically, what would it be? I want you to tell us in the comments of wherever you like to chat with us. While you do that, we're going to move on to do the evolution. And this episode's Do the Evolution is going to be on the song Lucan. Oh, Lucan. It's 58 seconds long. And, uh, well, let's, let's just get into it. Um, during the initial tour... There was a lot of ferocity with this song. Like, um, like almost like there was a point to prove. And sometimes it, he's just screaming the words. Like, you can't even make out what the hell he's saying. Just barking it. Just Ohio's. barking those things out. I mean, <laughs> the, the Chicago performance comes to mind at Soldier Field. Um, I, I don't know if, if it was an attempt to prove their punk bona fides or not, but they performed the song with some venom. And to my ears, like a lot of early songs, the venom wears away over time um, for a number of reasons. And I think one of the things is that, you know, the story behind the song, as of, of course, many of you know, Ed avoiding his stalker by hanging out uh, and taking solace at Matt Lucan's house, Matt Lucan being the former bass player for Mudhoney, Um Things changed, and to my knowledge, he didn't have those problems anymore, or at least in so much as to feel the need to write a song about it. What about those early performances stuck out to you, Paul? Well, that record had a garage rock feel to it, songs mm -hmm. like Habit and Hail Hail and even Lucan, and uh, it was a very heavy, uh, like metal-esque, punky song that I, I remember hearing, and I remember thinking to myself, the guitar work drew me in. There's something infect. There's an infectious groove there um it's almost like i think it's mike's guitar kind of has has like the effect of like a bell that's just kind of like um, oh it's in the, the notes he's hitting yeah Bing. yeah it's just like blaring you know it's just yeah yeah and i think that what i loved about that song is the chorus the chorus has a a beautiful rhythm to it um and it escalates there's a sense of urgency in, mm -hmm. the, in the verse obviously but there's a, I don't want to call it a reprieve, but there feels like a sense of release in the chorus. And I think it's by design because he's talking about where he's going and how life has worth now, you know? And I think that for this song to evolve, the most obvious thing that would have to happen is we'd have to change the tempo, Jason. <laughs> yes. Down the street, can't find the keys to my old home. I take a walk, 
Curse myself for being done After the arches Stinking grease and bone Piss on the supermarket Like a dog Fast forward to the Backspacer tour and they get to New York City and we get a halftime, slowed down, acoustic version of this song and wow. It's perfect. I mean, something about that chord progression, it just lends itself to to a ballad. Uh, It's the same one as from Black, E-D-C. When you go down the neck like that, and you strum it a certain way. It's just, there's something to it. There's that, but also there's the uh, passage of time and reflection that colors this mm. performance. I think at the time it was very charged because there was an immediacy to it. <clears throat> Many decades had passed. And looking back at that time in 2009 and 10, you know, I think for Eddie, looking back, there was a sense of, kind of not just understanding, but also a melancholy to him and that moment. Whereas before it was, it was angry. You know what I mean? It was yeah. a level of frustration and intolerance here. It, the song is laced with a, a, a very delicate melancholy and the, sc- the string accompaniment seems to echo that. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful, but I think that, um, I would argue that this is the way that the song should be played more frequently. Uh, not all the time, because I mean, there's, there's something fun about the original and, uh, and timeless as well. But I would, I would be hard pressed to think that there'd be a lot of fans out there that would be disappointed if they heard slow looking at a show and be like, why didn't they speed it up for me? You know? <laughs> yeah. The, um, since the initial performance in New York of slow Lucan, um, we've had a tease a couple of times. um, and it was sort of half played uh, in Fort Worth on the last tour in 2023 to the crowd. Do you delight, need the course. strings? That's the question. Can, can you um, do without the strings? <clears throat> I mean, I remember watching the live stream of that Fort Worth show and he played a couple of bars of it slow. And I was like, Ooh, this is nice. Um, because it's just power chords slowed down and it wasn't an acoustic. It was an electric. Um, it was still cool, but it's not, an acoustic doing it with strings, which is a very different thing. Now you can't have strings every show. Um, a, they cost money and B, why like logistically it doesn't make sense to have, unless you're going to do multiple songs with them. Right. I mean, they can't do a slow version. Maybe they could rearrange the song where it's the full band and they really turn the whole thing on its head. Um, maybe add another verse to to flesh the story out better because you know it it has two verses and a chorus that it, it doesn't repeat the chorus. Funnily enough, so in the original version, I should say, uh, I mean maybe because the lyrics are so directly about something specific from so long ago that I don't know that it's really changed its meaning over time like Alive has. So um, perhaps just you know. Finding solace in friends could be the change of meaning, but I asked Ed the question how that came to be. Like, was it they were tinkering? He was tinkering around. Were were the string players playing something? Oh, why he why slowed it down? I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, was this very methodical and by design? He like he came to them and said, "Hey, like," because it felt there was a level of impromptuness to it. When you listen to that performance, he basically talks to them and he's like, Hey, I'm going to play a little something here and just play along with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, well, yeah. And again, it's, it's a, it's a, it's three different chords and right, the verse, side. the verse is like two chords and then the chorus is the three chords. And so if you can just follow along with those two different progressions, you're going to figure it out. And those are trained musicians. So, so yeah, part of me wonders if, if he just was playing it on his own and said, you know what, I'm going to surprise them with this. And I, I just want Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I, I mean, know. he had the acoustic, which again, he wouldn't have had outside of the fact that they might've been playing the end or just breathe as part mm-hmm. of like that. Just out of the, I can't, I don't have the set list in front of me. So someone's going to correct me in the comments, but um, yeah, I, we did this once before where we spoke about what we think, 
what songs we thought would be great for another unplugged. Um, and what if we, uh, if they did a show with uh, a symphony, a la Metallica or Pink Floyd or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This would be interesting if they rearranged it and really it added something to it. So, I agree. Uh, going forward, uh, I imagine that Ed will tease that again because he knows how much the fans love it. So, uh, perhaps on this 2024 tour, look out for it. You never know. You never know. Who knows? I mean, the the level of instrumentation and the variety of instrumentation that we had on Earthling, there might be a whole brass section, buddy. On uh, this new record, I don't know. Oh man, <laughs> I'm just. Saying. I'm very excited. Very excited. Well, we should be really excited about the next segment, which is the lyric of the week. All right, lyric of the week. We are heading back to Gigaton, and the song is "Never Destination." Paul, never destination. What do you got? So <clears throat> this song, there's a, a repetitiveness to it at times, almost a, a monotony, dare I say. But um, when you listen to the lyrics, you know, these blisters on my fingers, blisters on my brain, on the voices, and this idea of like going insane, uh, it echoes a lot of the ideas and um, some of the sentiments that we saw from from other songs in the catalog, uh, one that comes to mind off of uh, uh, Avocado is, is Severed Hand, you know, which is kind of this song about just being on a bad trip in a lot of ways. And there's so much in the catalog that talks about this motif of insanity and what it, what it's like. But there's a, in some ways I think of the, the speaker from, or the, the subject of Breaker Fall, where she's on this ledge and only love is going to break that fall. And the perspective that I won't be taken, I won't take myself kicking and screaming and have to knock me off the shelf. And, and I think that those lyrics always make me think of a song like Breaker Fall. Mm. I think Eddie, he, he straddles that, that fine line between the subject who gives up and succumbs and, and the subject who's on the verge of doing so, but finds the resilience and the, the need to go on. So, Denial is another theme that, or motif, I should say, that I think colors a lot of the music. And in this song in particular, it's really thick. <clears throat> I'm a recluse in search of my new friends. So are they going to find me back where the road ends, off in the distance? Leviathan's 50 foot and breaking on our innocence. Um, I like the idea of this song kind of having that, that wandering feel to it. Um, think of a song like drifting, you know, you, you, you go back to right act and you think of a song like thumbing my way. All these songs to me are, are, are very much part of a family, a lot of ways thematically. And I think in some ways, never destination has those same qualities and, and fits in that, that part of the catalog together. Um, we may end up doing a, a playlist songs songs about the road uh, with mm -hmm. a little bit different of a twist than, than we've talked about in the past. And, and I can see songs like this sliding in. <clears throat> so I don't find this song to be particularly strong on the record. Um, I think it's one of the weaker compositions, to be honest with you. Not everyone agrees with me on that, but it's a very long song, or at least it feels long to me, just because I think there's 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 a lot of like, parallelism to the lyrics right even the opening blister on my fingers blisters on my brain you know what i mean and so it's it just has a lot of repetitiveness to me i think uh when you make the drop the gaping mall when you make the drop the gaping mall so live however it's an interesting song to me because you kind of have to situate the song in a set list in the right place mm -hmm. you know because it's it's a kind of like a get up and move song but it's the lyrics are very contemplative, so it it's 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 just a weird pairing to me. I see. I've, I, you know what I mean? I, I've always felt like when I when I read the lyrics to the song that it, it it's a different composition in my head. I don't know. Interesting. Well, as is much of the record, 
this song is very political to me, but it's less about one side or the other. Um, these lyrics seem to commentate on the polarization of our politics. Over the last few election cycles in America, it's gotten worse, in my opinion. But there's, there's a righteous stubbornness to these lyrics. I won't be taken, won't take myself. And I think many of us are reasonable people who want reasonable solutions. But all we are are these incredibly polarizing extreme versions of policy. And it used to be, okay, campaign on that, knowing there's going to be some compromise. You know, it's, it's, like a, it's a negotiating tactic from the campaign trail to the congressional floor. But now everyone's got their heels dug in. You get gridlock, and most of it is caused by those who barely understand the documents they're meant to uphold. So here we are as citizens trying to wade through all this bullshit, and it's taxing it, and at times seems too weird to be true. Like, no way is that person really saying those words out loud with cameras and microphones around. <laughs> and then, holy <laughs> shit, people are actually buying it. A large enough amount of people that it could affect results. So... The, the reasonable among us feel stuck. They feel helpless. But at the, at the time, at the same time, you know the stakes are too high not to fight. You know, the last line of that verse, the, um, the uh, disease of confusion stripped of our grace. Man, when's the last time you thought there was any grace in American politics? Obviously, it, it depends on your political leaning. And I should say there's a big chunk of people who couldn't give a damn about grace at all. <laughs> I am not one of them. True. I would love to have some grace back. I want the adults back. Um, so to Ed's point there in the chorus, I don't want to believe. <laughs> I don't want to believe. I don't, I don't want to believe we're on some never-ending political course of ignorance, simpletons waxing extremist positions. Because A, I want solutions. I want progress for all Americans, all humans. But also... Some of these people we've put in power want a never destination. They want nothing to happen so they can blame the other side, score points with their base, and stay in power to keep getting that sweet, sweet lobbyist money. It's friggin' gross. It's annoying, <laughs> and it's harming everything. And the way Ed sings that last line, more denial, there's just more frustration in each delivery the further along in the song we get. And for good reason. It's hard to remain graceful forever when you're fighting against chaos. And so when he, when I first read, heard this song and read those lyrics, that's what I felt. And in that moment, it was, we were in the primary season of, of Biden and Trump here in America. And where are we right now? Four years later, as we're doing this lyric of the week, we just started another primary season with Biden and Trump. <laughs> And Trump has just won the Iowa caucus. Um, so it's frustrating. And I, I like I like the, the music. I know that you say it's monotonous and repetitive. And I do. I get that. I think it's by design because there's a never ending. There's a never destination. We keep on with this cycle. That's kind of the point. I happen to like the riff that makes that point. And I think that the interlude really accentuates the gaping mall lines. Um, which is a whole other ball of wax, but yeah, I, I like this song a lot, and I like these lyrics um, because, at least for me, it hits kind of what I'm thinking, where I'm at from an American politics point of view. Yeah, there's definitely a frustration with what feels to be, or feels like, I should say, um, a uh, circling the drain culture these days. Yes, there you go. That's a good phrase. I mean, it's not a good phrase. It's it's a it's a it's an apt phrase. <laughs> I don't like the phrase, but yes. <laughs> well, there are only nine versions of this uh, performance uh, in the live setting. So uh, let's go ahead and check out our favorite one with our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! Okay, so live cut of the week from Never Destination. We got nine choices. Where are we going, Paul? To my new backyard oh. here in uh, classy San Diego. May 3rd, 2022, San Diego, California. Oh. 
All right, Paul. So uh, why do we think this is the best one? Um, you know, this is the kind of song where you think they would play it pretty well every time. Um, but for whatever reason, it doesn't ever feel like it gels live. It's a bugaboo song, isn't it? It's, it's strange. <laughs> and, and, um, and I mentioned how, you know, when we we're talking about the lyrics, I said, this is the kind of song that you have to be careful where you situate it, that lyrically there's, there's, there, there it, it just doesn't, it makes me think that there's a different composition behind it. Like if you just gave me the lyrics and say, what do you think the song's going to sound like? The song itself is not what I would think. Um, and I, I almost wonder if when they're playing the song, there is a, uh, a repetitiveness to it that ultimately, I don't know, it, maybe it just, it doesn't inspire enough. Um, you know, we do get that longer bridge in Toronto, but I mean, mm -hmm. outside of that, and we talked about this offline, but they never really seem to be totally in sync with this one. Um, and maybe it's the kind of song that will make an appearance on subsequent tours and, you know, they'll finally like really crush their performance at some point in time. But when you have a song like this and there is kind of a, uh, metronome feel to it after a while <laughs> it, it does require i think a, a crispness you know the, the, everybody's got a jail it's got to be tight and this this performance above all else has that quality um even if it doesn't necessarily feel totally inspired it definitely feels like it was very well rehearsed and that they went out there and they they played it to a t as the expression goes yeah no i, I agree it's um it definitely feels like, uh, you know, with, with, with a stuttering tour where the, you know, chops and changes in the tour over the course of basically two and a half years. Ed, Ed joked in Austin, Texas, this is the longest tour of their lives because it yeah. was meant to start, you know, three and a half years earlier. Um, you could tell that the first two performances in Asbury Park and Dana Point were the first two performances of the song on top of the band's first two performances in like three years. Yeah. So those are going to come across as kind of rusty because a lot of it came across as rusty, yeah. which, which for Pearl Jam is still quite good. But in terms of this song, it just wasn't up to snuff. So when they finally got back together to do a proper tour rehearsal eight months later, San Diego is the first stop and it's the tightest one. I mean, I was listening to the other, other eight performances I guess I should say the other six after this. And they're just, they don't start the song correctly or Ed's flubbing lyrics or like Toronto was pretty cool because I love that interlude. It just kind of went on. It was like, give me some rear view mirror or porch vibes. Right. Like, oh, they're going to keep on going. This is kind of fun. Um, Cause it's kind of got a groovy little interlude there, but yeah, it just wasn't as tight as San Diego. So I'll, I'll give it up. I'll give it up. The, uh, the performance there at Viejas arena back in uh, May of 2022 was uh the best one. If you guys disagree, let us know in the comments. Were you at San Diego? Do you agree with uh, our assessment? Let us know. Otherwise, uh, that is the show, gang. And uh, we thank you for sticking by us, even though we are battling here. My, my voice is about to go. I don't know about yours, Paul, but uh, <laughs> my, my water's out. Is your tea? You still got tea? Uh, you know, I should have been drinking water. I have the tea. This is the, the very... Was there honey in there? That I have left. No. No honey. Oh my just god! Decaffeinated green tea. Rookie mistake, Paul. <laughs> but anyways, um, again, seriously, thank you guys for sticking with us and uh, for listening each week. And uh, again, if you are interested in Patreon, we've got links everywhere. If you are interested in a shirt, get in our DMs. Other than that, um, we will see you next week with another fabulous episode. And until we do, you've been listening to the state of love and trust. Yeah.